Good morning, church. Uh, for those who maybe don't know me, my name is Rogelio. Um, as Pastor Jason uh, mentioned, my wife and I will be a member of the church for over a year. And I just want to say thank you, Pastor Jason, for your guidance. Uh, I received so much love from him. And I already said it in private, but I really appreciate the, not only the opportunity, but the guidance and love that he's been pouring into me during these last few weeks. It's been a treat to have the pastor next to me. Um, I'm from Venezuela. Uh, me and my wife, we come from Denver, uh, Colorado. And I'm thankful that I'm able to bring the word of God this morning to my family, which is you, the church. And one of the things that God has been pondering in my heart, and I think I've seen this in the church too, is the idea of really wanting to feel, to experience God's presence. Not only to know about God's presence, but also to experience it. Um, I think New Hope Church is a very special church uh, for us when you walk, when, when we walk through the doors and even through the Instagram, to be honest, it was like, it's there. You can, for us, it was like God's spirit was drawing us to the church. And once we were here, it was like, Yes, this is the place that we feel the spirit of God. Um, and many of us sometimes may seem, may seem the church as, oh, very uh, informal in a way because we're meeting in a gym. But the idea of experiencing God's presence, it's, it's real. It's like the real trip here. It's like the real deal that we're seeking, that we want to, you know. And, and I think each one of us likely will have this experience. In my case, when I was in Denver, I remember we were having this prayer walking time around the community. Few people were deciding to just go around and pray while we were walking. And I remember one of those meetings in Denver, we, I was with a team and we'd say, I said, Lord, please allow us to see one person this morning. That we'll be that so we are able to share your word with them and to share the joy of who you are. So it seems like a very doable thing, right? Somebody you walk in on the street and you find somebody, but that day was snowing very hard in Denver. So that's why I praise that one because it's like that's what we wanted, that's what we normally get, but when it's snowing in Denver, it's not that easy. Everybody was in the middle of the winter, it's people don't want to be outside. And it's like New York. You will find people not in Denver. So when we started walking around, we found the streets was empty, was pouring, snowing. We were really happy because we, 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 we saw each other and we thought, we're really crazy. This is pretty cool. You were, I mean, it was pretty cool, right, to try to step into something that you wouldn't do, you know, otherwise, if God is not with you or pushing you. And... As we were praying, I saw this only one person shoveling snow out of the street. And I, we have this deal. We, work, we are a bilingual church in Denver. And it's like if somebody speaks Spanish, I'm the one who, who is going to jump in. You know, The rest of the team, they speak Spanish too, but it's not their first language for many of them. So immediately I saw this looks like Mexican. I approached him. And I was so thrilled to see him because we just pray for somebody. And... The person connected, he was so happy to see the church walking around, and he was full of joy about it. And he promised that, like, I'll, I'll, I want to come visit. 
and we, we prayed for him, and we left the place, and everybody inside, deep down, we were like, oh, this was extremely cool. You know, God allows us this opportunity. And immediately, for myself, I was, I don't know why, guys, but I thought, what a coincidence. The guy was shoveling, and we were able to see him. And I say this, I don't know why. It's because I just pray for that. And in my brain, I don't know why. I say, what a coincidence. And I was excited that a coincidence just happened in front of me. But few seconds after that thought, I was like, you dumb. You just pray for that. Why are you talking about? It's, uh, that's what I'm saying. I don't know why. But because it's so ridiculous. But how many times we do that? How many times do we see our circumstances around us and we are like, oh, this is a pretty cool coincidence. By chance, I just got to have... I just got to, saw, to see this. By chance, I just got to experience this. So I think that the, the talk of uh, things happening by chance is more frequent than we will be willing to admit. And I want to ask you, how many times per day do you have this type of thoughts? That the things that are going around you are just there or happening by coincidence? How many times? Sometimes it's really hard to, to, to have the thought about how many times or when because it's so embedded in our thoughts. Like, like me, just pray, and immediately I'm just saying, what a coincidence. It's like it's so deep. It's rooted in our hearts. It's, it's really deep. But even those moments when we are walking around, I'm just expecting. I'm going to bring some examples. And I want you to think it will take time because it's so embedded in us that we sometimes are able to see those circumstances when we think it's by chance. But when you're walking around and the sun is hitting you so hard, it's like, oh, my God, this is so annoying. And you're thinking, Did you, do you know why it's so annoying? Do you know why you're feeling the sun in your skin? It's a simple example. But this applies to many areas in our lives. You know, sometimes it goes from that simple activity of the sun hitting your eyes and you're doing this or your skin getting toasted and feeling a little bit uncomfortable. But it goes to also when there is suffering. You just like, sometimes we don't know how to interpret the suffering around us. We don't know how to interpret like, man, I don't have the type of job that I really want. You know, there are many, many circumstances where we don't really attribute that that's, that moment is happening because of God. We just let it pass. This is just mere coincidence. This is just by chance. And I want you to think this because God is actively wo- working in us. He is, he wants his church to keep growing in the experience of having him there. He wants us to grow in the joy and the fire of the holy spirit and that's why i really connect with this church because we all are seeking this deep down sometimes we don't see it we don't say it or we don't necessarily see it but there is this undercurrent in the church like we want this actually the church started like this prophetic nice they're not a mere coincidence there's a longing this is a deep desire 
that is in me, is in many of us. Or even if you don't believe in God, deep down you're like, is there any, is there a God? You know, sometimes it's tickling there in your heart, the idea of something greater, something miraculous. You know, it's there. And in the, in the text that we have today, is that how many of you have read Amos before? Good. That happened to me. I didn't read it. The majority did not. I was very surprised. But we're going to see. We're going to try to see how is Amos, how Amos is going to help us to answer the question is how coincidental, a coincidental worldview affects the way you experience God. How God speak into a coincidental worldview. At this type of attitude, it's like, this is by mere chance. This is just a coincidence. How is God speaking into it? What are the effects in our life if we keep going that way? You know? So, the, the first thing that we see in verse 1 is chapter 3. I'm going to see. I'm going to read it. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you. O people of Israel, against the whole family that I brought up out of the land of Egypt. So at that time, Israel was divided. It was the northern kingdom and the southern, which is Judah and Israel. But both of them came from Egypt. That's why he's saying this is addressing right now both areas. And it's... And Amos was living in the middle of both of them. He was living in the border. He was a farmer. Amos was a shepherd. We, th- we think that he was kind of like a commercial guy that was able to go into both kingdoms to sell and to do, you know, businesses with them. It's like living in Manhattan and in the past, Manhattan was pretty divided. Like the northern part of Manhattan, there was the poor, the, you know, the poor people who just come down to the south, work and go to sleep there. It's like Amos was living in the north side of Central Park in the middle of it. And he was able to go and see what's happening in the north and what's happening in the south. So that's why God, I think God, another, one of the reasons why God was using Amos to see, to experience, and to bring his word into the nation. And what is interesting is the way he starts the poem. We think that this is a collection of poems and sayings from Amos. And this one says, verse 2, You only I have known of all the families of the earth. He wants to give, even though he's saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to speak against you, but I want you to know why, right? That's the beauty of God. One of the things that attracts me, attracts me the most about God is that he's always saying the why. He's the God of why, of, of explanation, of understanding. And one of the things that he says is, You only... Have I known of all the family of the earth? And in the Bible, knowing somebody, it's like real intimacy. It was, I really know you. And he's saying, you are the only one that I actually really know. Because he's only interested in the people of Israel. And this language, how would you feel if God says to you, you only I have known? Like, there is a focus on that. Actually, when I met Rachel, one of the things that in our express marriage of four or six months, we, really, we got married really fast. But I'm going to tell you one piece of why. Rachel, 
I saw that she was interested in me. And I was in her, but at that moment, I was like in a place where I couldn't open my heart. Because I was praying to God for a wife. But I was waiting for him to answer first about this other girl. That I wasn't sure. I just wanted to be sure before I opened my heart to her. So she told me, I told her, she kind of was showing his, her feelings. And I told her, listen, I would love to. But at this moment, I really can't. Just, you know, I'm, I'm going through this prayer time. And it's really hard for me to move forward. You know, I, wanna, I want God to know. I want to know from God before I say something to you. And her answer was, okay, not a problem. I know what I want. I can wait. That answer was like a, ooh. She knows. You know what I mean? She knows. was like, Rachel, for many of you, I don't know if, if I don't think everybody knows her, but she seems at first, the first impression is like she's pretty insecure. She may seem like that. But you can tell by her answer, it was like, this girl is pretty strong. This girl knows what she wants. And she's saying, in other words, I want you. And I know what I want. I'm going to wait. That stroke stroke my heart. It was like, oh, yeah. I started praying. I started praying a lot more for her. Because, and what I'm trying to say is the language of God, of knowing, of being sure. And that's how he speaks to each one of us. I know what I'm doing with you. I'm not, he's not playing around with your life, with the calling that's been giving you, that's been pursuing you. He is all in. He's not doubting. He is already there waiting for you. We are the ones who are really behind. So this is the language that he's saying to the people of Israel before delivering the strong message. So we need to know where he's coming from. Because now we're going to see from verse 2 to verse 6, what is he going to, what, do, what does he have to say to the people of Israel? And from verse 2 to 6, we will see if I did the right math. I think it's six illustrations for one message. And let's read it. And you will see, let's see if you pick up what is the message that he has. Is verse 3, sorry. It says, do two walk together unless they have agreed to meet? Does a lion roar in the forest when he has no prey? Does a young lion cry out from his den if he has taken nothing? Does a bird fall in a snare on the earth when there is not trap for it? Does a snare spring up from the ground when he has taken nothing? Is a trumpet blown in a city and the people are not afraid? What pattern do you see here? It's open for comments. <laughs> what pattern do you see here? In each one of the illustrations, right? There is an action that is happening and he say, there is some, there's a reason why. There is a reason why. It's not like, and actually the expression, one of the verse 5 does a snare spring up from the ground? You know, that's just, this is what we normally call, in other words, like coincidence. It's just, a, a, you know, circumstantial events that we don't really know why. It's kind of 
you know, things just happen by chance. This is the same message. It seems like he's saying, no, 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 they don't. Nothing that is happening in your life is happening by chance. But now, the, the answer that he wants to get into is, at the end of verse 6, does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? Does disaster come to a city unless the Lord has done it? And I'm, I think God is bringing is the tough part. I think it might be easy to see God in the good things. But you, you can be sure that if we don't see God in the hard things, we, I don't think we're really experiencing the good things. It will be really hard, at least. At least it will be likely superficial. And he's really addressing the bottom, which is they want the people of Israel to understand that he is the one. He is the one who is causing it. He is the one who is really behind it. And of course, it will, we, it's reasonable for, for us to question that, man, but are you telling me that God is the one who did that or was involved in that area that was so tough to experience? And let me just make a pause and make sure that, that we understand disaster or evil circumstances around us that we don't really like. And in this case, God is addressing it to a nation that was rebelling against him. But God does not bring disaster or trials for only that reason. There are multiple reasons. For example, we found the same example in David when he committed sin against God. He brought punishment against him. But we see in Paul that Paul has these thorn in his flesh that was preventing him from sinning. And at the same time, we see, for example, when the, the Spirit of God stopped Paul and the missionaries from entering a city, it seems like in a missionary plan or for those who work in the evangelistic world, being prevented from doing something that seems good, it seems bad. But God brings Trial might bring disaster, might bring something that might be harsh. But there are multiple reasons. As I said, it could be because of sin as the nation of Israel. It could be to prevent from sinning, which is for good, or for guidance for his plan. So there are multiple reasons. We are addressing right now a nation that is rebelling against him. But the bottom line is God wants to show them that he is the one who is next to it. You know, no matter what he wants you to know that he's there. And it's, and it's really hard to understand that concept. And we don't want to shy away from the conversation. If there is any hard question, I'll, like Pastor Jason is open. And many people here are open to address difficult questions. But it's better. It's way better to embrace that God is the one who is present and is there with you in the suffering than rather just... Let him out. He wants to be present. And I'm going to bring just three examples of why there is beauty behind this idea of God being the one behind the trials, behind the disaster. Many of us, I think, 
We really love to eat. If you're in New York, we really want to eat good stuff. Uh, or drink. Or drink. And there is a beauty in one of the m- most, most savory and tasty food or drinks. And is that they, those food, cheese, wine, whiskey, whatever it is. Kimchi. Right? Or miso. All of them experience decay. Is bacteria growing and destroying? The wine comes out of it. Whiskey. The great cheeses around the world. They come from decay. And that's kind of like the way God works in us. Yes, something may die. But there is a promise of something glorious behind it. It's a great cheese, a great whiskey. It's control for something glorious. It's not like Satan's work. Satan's work is just for full destruction. It's just like letting the thing rot till death. No, 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 no. God controls it. Controls every single thing for something better. And that's the beauty. There is a promise behind it. So that's why we have to embrace. We have to tame the idea of decay in our brains, in our experiences, in our lives. Because God is doing this. And he wants us to feel his, his presence in us. In missionaries, for example, they, there was this Nazi camp where I think the name is Corey and Betsy. In, at that time, they were having these Bible studies in a Nazi concentration camp. Her name, they were Christians, Corey and Betsy. And they were having these Bible studies. And they did not understand how the police or the military people from, the, from Germany were allowing them to have these Bible studies. But they noticed, at least it was Corey was listening to Betsy, her sister, praying. Say, God, thank you for the bugs that we have around us. They were infested in fleas and leaves. Lies. It was, they were suffering from all these bugs around them. But at the end of the, the concentration camp, they were able to understand that God allowed them to have those bugs in order to multiply Bible studies in the middle of a Nazi concentration camp. The police didn't want to get into the rooms. And people were wanting to, ner- to learn about God's word. We see there that the suffering, sometimes, again, is God's, it's there. God is controlling. God is bringing something glorious. God is pursuing his mission. He's expanding his kingdom. But at the end, we have to see Christ. Because there is nothing better than him. Who was perfect, he went to the cross. And from him, just resurrection and life for all of those who go to him. So we see this concept, this idea of experiencing God in suffering. is something that we have to embrace for our good, for experiencing God's presence in our lives. And I think, family, that God being present this on me. And this, this is what he wants us to, to see today. Is that maybe that 
lack of experience of God's presence in our lives comes from not seeing him. Comes from not checking that you have a coincidental worldview, that you got to stop a little bit. Maybe today will be an opportunity to, to think. Because it is no far. There is a song from Stephanie Gretzinger. It's like, he's not struggling to listen. He actually is so close. His ear just on us. You know, he is close. What about if the consequences of staying in that coincidental worldview? It's like we'll have eternal consequences. What if we're mistaking God's plan by a coincidence? We might be mistaking God's plan for a coincidence. But maybe the consequences are not as small as a vitamin D being produced by the sun hitting us. Because again, we might feel bothered by great things are happening that we don't see. Is there anything that you need to repent today? That you might be ignoring God for days or for some time? That you've been like, maybe consciously or unconsciously ignoring him in that area when it's actually really close to you? What type of Christians do you think we will be if we embrace God during those tough moments? If we embrace the reality that he is there. What type of church New Hope will be if we, when we're going through trials, small, big, we're able to experience him and to see him walking, healing us, protecting us, making us better, transforming us in the likeness of Christ. How will be our prayer life as a church, our evangelistic life? I think it will be like a multiplication of great restaurants, which New York has tons of them. But tons of great churches multiplying from New Hope, of people who can be like great wine. Oh, my goodness. How in the world? You know, people will see that there is something unique. I think it was Dylan's prayers. Like, God, help us to be seen. Something distinctive. Something that is unique that comes from you. That's a, that's a promise. That's the beauty. That's the hope that we can be transformed and transform New York. Not only in this a bunch of great bars and restaurants, but a bunch of churches and a bunch of communities that are just like fermenting for beauty, for glory. Let's be that church.